You are listening to the Conversations in Speech Pathology podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Steppen, and this is episode five. Welcome to another episode of Conversations in Speech Pathology. I'm your host, Jeff Steppen, male speech pathologist and now podcaster. You can find my website at www.conversationsinspeech.com. Pretty basic website right now. You'll find show notes, links, and a short bio of yours truly. I'm very excited about today's episode because it has to do with one of my favorite subjects, and that would be AAC. And even better, today's episode features none other than John Halloran from the Center for AAC and Autism. John is a speech-language pathologist who is the Senior Clinical Associate for the Center for AAC and Autism. He's worked in the field of AAC since 1984. He is a consultant for the Prentke Romic Company. And of course, John's going to be talking about LAMP, which stands for Language Acquisition Through Motor Planning. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. Uh, Just a couple of quick notes before we do, though. One is that It's kind of difficult being this is a new podcast, figuring out uh, the background knowledge and interests of a potential audience here. So uh, we're going to be throwing a lot of terms out here, and I decided probably it would be best not to go ahead and give you this lengthy background. Uh, For anything that's confusing or that you, the listener, wants to know more about, we can always have separate episodes. Uh, For instance, if, uh, you know, more information on core vocabulary, um, on the systems that we're talking about uh, that John mentions, such as Unity, Language Representation System. Uh, don't worry if you're not familiar or if, you're, if that uh, sounds a little foreign to you. I think the conversation itself and the information John has to present is really, really good. Um, the other thing I want to say before I jump into this interview is that you'll hear me talk in the beginning about how I, you know I've come to know John's work and my initial frustrations when coming into uh, my present job uh, you know, I've gone to uh, some seminars and my frustrations at not seeing uh, kids on the spectrum represented in, in video clips that we always see at, at, uh, at these seminars. And I don't want to suggest that, uh, you know, that no one is showing uh, video clips uh, of kids on, on the spectrum you know, using uh, AAC devices or that no one's written books or articles about it. That's not the case at all. It, was just, happened, it just happened to be that the, um, the seminars that I had attended initially didn't really feature a lot of examples. And finally, one other thing that I need to mention, uh, the sound quality is a little sketchy at, at points. And the reason for that is um, I record my interviews via Skype and uh, the internet connection must have been not as great the night that I interviewed John. Uh, several times during the uh, interview, we kind of got cut off and he had a kind of some fits and starts there. But I did my best actually to use the editing software to uh, fill in those potholes and make the interview sound as good as it possibly could. And I think overall, it turned out to be pretty good. About a year into this, I came across someone, I I think I was at a presentation probably given by someone uh, related to the PRC world. And they showed this video of you uh, at your clinic, I believe, working with a little boy in the spectrum, nonverbal. And when I saw that that one clip, it kind of changed. Um, it kind of changed everything for me. And I'll tell you. And and to explain that to you, let me back up a little bit more for a second. 
when I had gone to a lot of the conferences or, you know, initially, there didn't seem to be a lot of talk about autism and AAC. Now, people talked about AAC in general, but I didn't get a lot of information about how it applied to kids on the spectrum. Uh, there were a lot of video clips I would go to. Uh, I, would, I would see examples of kids with CP or other disabilities, and that was great. And, you know, not everybody on my caseload has autism. There are differences. Um, we can go on for a long time about the differences, I think, in the way that kids on the spectrum take information excuse me, take in information and learn. And that's, I think, where you came in for me. Well, thanks. I'm honored to get the chance to do this, and I'm I'm glad you got to watch that video. I, I think from the day we started, it was putting our hands on kids and letting us work with them. You know, we always come in the first day and work with three or four kids and then make the training about those three or four kids that's even made LAMP, uh, as anything, if it has anything that's made it successful, it's the fact that there's an individual client who we're addressing in the trainings and in uh, developing the this approach. So, I, I'm, again, I, I, I'm very grateful you gave me this opportunity to speak. Yeah, well, again, thank you so much. And um, I can... You know, go off into it's a long tangent about all the different approaches. But what I wanted to do to start with is, um, you know, I, I'm this podcast is still somewhat new, and it's hard for me to gauge exactly how much the listener may or may not know about AAC. Some people are going to come in know exactly what I'm talking about when I say when I throw out acronyms. You know, like, you know, talk about Unity, Minspeak, and PRC. And other people are have no idea or little idea. I was hoping maybe quickly we can just kind of go through all that and talk about leading up to the Center for AAC and Autism and kind of LAMP, the, the app and LAMP, the actual uh, the program. So maybe you can do that for me real quick. I'll try to do that the best I can with that. Okay. Well, well, LAMP is very, very much influenced by Minspeak and Bruce Baker. And uh, there will be other components of whether it be sensory integration therapy or, uh, uh, you know, my wife's OT background would have a very big influence on the, the development of the whole approach. But, but Minspeak in the original form where, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago even, you had to make a choice between having a single overlay uh, where one symbol had to mean more than one thing uh, or you'd have to have many overlays. And then uh, – and, and really um, – I saw many, many children and adults do really, really well with that original system. And it looked, did not look intuitively easy to myself or anyone else looking at it. But when you watch them communicating, they were, they were communicating at such a fluent level and they weren't looking down at their devices. You were witnessing someone communicating with no effort where their hand was just like an articulator. And many times... Uh, the overlay would fall off the machine. It would get so old and worn out that it would disappear. Mm-hmm. And, and yet they would still talk fluidly. And sometimes, and I'm, again, I'm very optimistic about the future and, and what, how t- technology's advanced and how great, it, great equipment we have now on tablets and dedicated devices. But in many ways, LAMP is a holding on to the past. It is, it is almost a, a, the pure form of, of Minspeak the way it was 20 years ago. And mm-hmm. so when Unity was uh, 15 or 20 years ago or so, I bet it was maybe 20 or 25 years ago, but about 20 years ago, uh, Unity evolved. Uh, I, and, you know, of course, Unity is bringing all the different vocabularies together to, to unite into one. And I don't know if people – 
probably no one remembers this, but uh, PRC's been around 45 years or almost 50 years now. Mm -hmm. And at one time, they had many different vocabularies. There was one by Joan Bruno called Interaction, Education, and Play. And there was one called Word Strategy, which Bruce Baker came out with. And then there was another one called Power and Play. was done by Gail Van Tatenhove. Then there was one used for adolescents called Language, Learning, and Living. But anyway, some of them had strengths, some of them had weaknesses. But through that experience, uh, they decided to take the, what they had learned and make and create one app or, or one vocabulary would be called Unity. And it really was a powerful and is a very powerful vocabulary that's used by many, many people. And ironically, many of the people, when you look at them, if you judge a book by its cover, when you first look at a child with a disability or a child with autism or an adult with autism, you may not think that they would have the potential to communicate at the level they can. But I think when the, when a system has a, a motor plan that doesn't change, when it's word-based, when they're exposed to a large vocabulary, uh, many times they rise up to the occasion, just like it's kind of hard for us to understand how any of us learn language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Unity evolved, and gradually, when you went into the dynamic world, when Unity Unity started out on a Delta Talker and uh, on a Pathfinder, and the Pathfinder sort of bridged the gap where now you had a static display and a dynamic display. So it was sort of a hybrid between the two. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, uh, of course, it becomes uh, on a Vantage or a Vanguard or other devices that, that now are purely a dynamic screen. And when that happened, some of the things they tried to add, they sort of made a hybrid where you, you now had pages, and they called it an activity row, but the top row was really a page-based system where you could set it. You could hit choose activity, and you could set the top row on greetings or on maybe things about yourself or having fun at a party or something. Mm-hmm. But the bottom would remain more true to MinSpeak where you had an actual icon sequence. And for many people, that works out very well. But for us, having a device that has many encoding methods going on at once where you have to navigate those pages and the motor plan changes based on environment, we saw children and adults get confused with that. Mm-hmm. And so we then uh, had the PRC great gave you know, for years, we modified Unity. We turned off the activity or we shut off the pages. And we really got rid of a lot of the duplication of words. So you didn't have a word in there five or six times. Mm-hmm. And then uh, PRC uh, gave us permission to develop a, a LAMP Words for Life. And uh, uh, Words for Life is a version of Unity. About 90% of every keystroke would be the same on a Unity board as it would be on LAMP Words for Life. But on Words for Life, you don't have duplicate words and you don't have the, you don't have an activity or you set it and there's no pages. So you don't go to a page and lock into a page ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, it would take a lot more to go into all the differences right, that right. things we made changes for. But those changes were based on watching consumers use a communication device taking those parts that we saw that confused people and those things that made kids communicate more effectively or adults and then built that into the into the new system called lamp words for life uh, you probably didn't want this is probably early for me to jump into this mm-hmm. but but lamp is a method that's been around oh, 15 or 20 years but my wife and I started presenting on it about 15 or 20 years ago oh, okay. that lamp is a method that could be applied to almost any technology low tech or a board or or any any product but it would have to follow those principles uh, and although you can do it on any product almost no one's ever done it 
Mm-hmm. So LAMP is a LAMP is a um, a method, and LAMP Words for Life is a vocabulary. And sometimes that's become confused with the development of Words for Life. Right. LAMP Words for Life now all of a sudden it's almost becoming more of a vocabulary than than an approach. But w- we still want to differentiate the two. Uh, you could be doing LAMP on a low tech board or on uh, uh, some other product if mm-hmm. you followed all the principles of LAMP. Yeah. You know, okay, I wanted to actually, the first question that comes to my mind right now, I was looking on the, the website for the Center uh, for Asian Autism, and according to the, uh, on the website today, it was founded in 2009, is that correct? The actual website was the virtual the virtual center for AAC and autism. But my and my wife and I's private practice, we had a private practice called Integrated Therapy for Kids, mm-hmm. and it, it was based in North Little Rock, and that's really where it, we where it started. There, it started okay. And the actual app, I know the first iPad came out in March of 2010, I think, right? Yes, okay. I think you're right. And so, when did the first uh, when did, when was uh, Words for Life the app actually released? You know, I hate to be so ignorant of the exact date, but I'm guessing uh, we that it's been out for just a little over a year. I'm going to say a year and two or three months. Oh, okay, I thought it'd been longer than that. <laughs> the words for life been out a year ago in October. My wife says so. Wow. She's the brains of the family, so I was off a little bit, but not too far. Well, I have to say, well, my district has been an early I may have, adopter. I, may have I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it has been a. It's been really. We've been touched by how many people have been willing to use the the lamp words for life vocabulary on the iPad and on all PRC's dedicated devices. You can now use the words for life vocabulary on an iPad on all the Accent products, the Vantage, mm-hmm. the old PRC products, and the Saltillo uh, Nova Words for Life device now. Mm-hmm. So it, it, we're really happy to see so many people using the vocabulary on so many different uh, platforms. You know, it's, it's interesting. We had our the PRC rep uh, in my area came out in December. Uh, as we have a couple of kids um, who want to get started on trial devices. And I asked her to show me the Words for Life Words for Life, uh, you know, program on, uh, you know, a couple of the Accent um, devices. I think it was the 1000. And then also just to compare it between uh, that and I just wanted to look between the iPad and the other one. Was it the Nova Chat? Yeah, so it's, yeah. Called, it's called, well, it's actually called Nova Words for Life. Nova Words the for Nova Life, The Nova Chat yeah. would be, a, yes, it's actually a separate product, but it's the same platform with a different different vocabulary on it. Right, right. And I found, you know, I, I'll tell you, one of the mistakes we made early on, by the way, when we first got the app, is we had that app loaded on the original iPad, which was a big mistake, um, just because of that delay between uh, yes. hitting the keying, actually getting the auditory feedback. It just wasn't working. Yes, yes. You know, when when that first iPad 1 came out, you couldn't have done LAMP uh, Words for Life on it because the number of icons and the refresh time and then the auditory coming out. So you could have released an app and it would have probably uh, launched and really done well. I mean, it did well when it did, but if we would come out a year earlier, Earlier, who knows where where we'd be today? But we would have. Uh, this will be a little harsh to say, but you could have made a lot of money, but mm-hmm. done a lot of neurological harm to kids <laughs> who needed a system that gave them a, a motor plan with a, with an immediate auditory signal and, and refreshed the screen in a fast period of time. Right, and I guess I was getting a little ahead of ourselves because I I did want to talk about um, what to me what makes the the lamp approach so interesting is is the purity at which you you guys hold this idea of a consistent motor plan and not just that motor plan, but also the feedback that a person that the individual user gets, 
you know, that instant feedback and the natural consequences that kind of go along with that. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, well, you're 100% right. We are very pure, and, it's some, and sometimes we you can lose respect when you believe something too much. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do know that there are people who, who you know, do not, the lamp words for life is not the appropriate thing for them. And at the same time, most of us learn best through our sensory systems. And the, and the more sensory systems we use and the better we use them together, the better better most people learn. I would actually should take that back, but the better all of us learn. Mm-hmm. So we did, when we developed, we came up with some guiding principles. And the first one was we had to treat the hand, you, treat your movement of your hand as if it was your mouth or as if it was an articulator. And once you make that, that, that guiding principle that you say, I believe that we learn through our sensory systems, that we learn from motor, auditory, and visual being used together with a moment of joy happening, a communication act, an intrinsic value placed on being able to communicate. And I should be able to do that effortlessly with my hand like I do my mouth. Mm-hmm. Once you make that as you, you really believe that like we do, it becomes hard to see people using communication devices where the motor plan doesn't become automatic or doesn't have a consistent motor movement to the to the word so we treat the hand as if it was an articulator uh, motor plans can grow but they can't change and this throws some people for a loop too but the best way i can describe this is if you touch a button and it says the word eat and then later you touch it and you have to go somewhere and it would happen very aggressively. Mm-hmm. You have to touch one plus one. That's a growth of that motor plan. And then you get uh, uh, the morphological endings, eats, eating, ate, eaten. But they all start with that motor movement. But if you think about it this way, if you think about me saying with my mouth the word da, and then I add D on the end, dad, duh, to say dad, I didn't change the motor plan. I grew that motor plan. Mm-hmm. And daddy can is an extension of that initial motor plan. And LAMP grows aggressively like that, where it doesn't change the motor plan from the first day you get on your device. So another, another thing that I sort of, uh, I don't know, I need to stay humble about and be more respectful of, but the most challenged child or challenged child cognitively and physically needs LAMP more than anyone else. So when we talk about emergent communicators, they need to learn through their sensory systems. And it's as if what we do to most children with with autism and, and severe cognitive disabilities is we sort of put them through an IQ test. If you can pass these low-tech boards and learn what many boards say and do, we'll then give you a chance for a real communication device. And I think someday we'll look back at this period of time and, and, and sort of know why so many children failed was because they never really were given a chance to, to communicate learning through their sensory systems. So uh, it would be very important that a motor movement had a word attached to it, that the auditory came on immediately so that you'd get that multisensory convergence and then you see something happen. Uh, from the first day you start to the yeah. last day of your life. Now you brought up actually a, an interesting point for me. Because um, one of the things, especially this year, that I'm that I'm wrestling with a lot, and this is always you know from day one that I've been in this school, is how soon to get someone off of a low ta- a low tech communication board to something high tech or even some, just anything with a voice output. Now I know you've mentioned before that uh, you can use a lamp words approach, you know, just on a simple you know low tech paper, you know, manual communication, you know, manual board. Yeah, I, I think I should be careful when I say you can use LAMP on a low-tech board because it would not have one of the f- 
character one you know there's five key uh, components of lamp mm-hmm. and the fir- the first one's making sure the child's at appropriate readiness to learn they're not too aroused and they're not falling asleep and one of the key components of readiness to learn is making sure that the word you're asking the child to say or the word the child wishes to say is what they can say to control or get something or, or it, it's the word they desire to say mm-hmm. and if you have the wrong vocabulary none of us are going to be at an appropriate readiness to learn so you have to be at a readiness to learn and have the right vocabulary. That's where you would get voice output and you could learn to talk by hearing something. Mm-hmm. So let me try to go through those. Uh, so the machine has to provide immediate auditory signal. And then the visual cortex sees something happen. And that's where you get multisensory convergent. You had a motor movement attached to that auditory and then you got an immediate visual response. And then you got joy in that and that you had an intrinsic value in communicating. And then that's what makes this whole language connection. Mm-hmm. So it's a little unfair when I say you can do LAMP on a low-tech board. But that's not to mean that, that if I was to take a board that had the same layout and I was to put eat in the right spot and more in the right spot and have a child touch it, on some technology that was digitized or something mm-hmm. where it just had one hit, one message or an, or an iPad, that that would still be the LAMP approach right. leading to something bigger. But what we're not doing is is giving you a, a three or four years on a system and then saying, well, you made it to stage three. Now we're going to get you a dedicated AAC device. Right, right. It just if you think about that, I, th- I think in 20 years we'll look back at this time and we'll say, uh, how could have we thought that we would put a child on Spanish for four years and if they did well enough with Spanish, we'd finally give them a, 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 an Italian. Mm-hmm. But it's really it's really worse than that because it's it's no language, no vocabulary, no communication system, mm-hmm. no input through your sense systems. And then if you get to a certain level, we'll give you a shot. That's not to be ugly or putting down other. They they all have benefits. Oh sure, you're breaking up on me a little bit. Yes, just a little bit. We did in a minute ago. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I, I forgot where you had left off. Uh, something about. Um, Anyway. Well, I, was, I really don't want to be disrespectful to let's let's say it's sign language. Oh yeah, yeah. Sign language doesn't have yeah. Sign language does not have an auditory feedback, but I I know sign language has helped more children than we probably will. Mm-hmm. And to to me, it's not disrespectful to say that PEX doesn't have auditory feedback. Somebody could talk while you touch it, but that doesn't f- feel the same. It's hard for most children to know when you're talking to them or for them. Sure. And PEX doesn't keep the motor plan the same. So you have a different, it's more of a visual system, but but it also has strengths. And what I've really tried hard to do is to not have to hate something to love something else. Mm-hmm. You can you can do vocabulary where, you, where you're working on a, all the things we've talked about. Sure. Some, someday we'll look at this, uh, this time period and know you didn't have to disrespect one approach to love something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those approaches like PEX and, and uh, uh, sign language and verbal behavior, those things have helped more kids maybe than we ever will. But they don't have to, in the same light, we can work together because not everybody has the answer for every kid. You know, actually, actually, that's a really good point because all these programs have helped kids to some extent in one way or the other. We may not agree. We may have some differences in terms of uh, you know, language representation or method for modeling, whatever. But there's no doubt that there's been something useful in each one of these approaches. Um, yes. So I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. To be quite honest, actually... When I saw, going back to our introduction, when I, when I saw that video of you working with that, uh, that child, it actually made me think of PEX because it was almost kind of like this quasi-behavioral response. I saw, you know, in the, in the video clip, you were working with a kid, I, you know, I assume started with just very little to no language, and you were using, I can't remember what it was, maybe it was a springboard, I don't know, maybe a vantage light, I don't know, whatever it was. 
he probably had maybe two icons um, on the board at the time. And I think the boy, you know, he w- was bubbles or whatever he wanted. He was, you know, self-injury, throwing his arms about, and you kind of just, you know, took his, you know, did the hand under hand, uh, you know, guidance to the symbol. And then, of course, they show fast forward um, within the same session. <laughs> and you see him start to get that motor plan. And to me, that's, you know, it's kind of like a very, you know, it kind of grows up to me out of that natural consequences, the same thing that, you know, pecs, you know, kid, kid gives you the picture, immediate response, immediate feedback. The difference yes. is that we're talking about a completely different way to represent language and a different uh, roadmap, I guess, if you will. Yeah, and I, I and I, I think that you know, for the, there are many advantages they have. Uh, I, I hope someday that cost isn't one of them, because the cost of a child not getting input to his sensory systems, not hearing those sounds, uh, and not hearing a voice, uh, having an internal voice, and not not knowing that a word means something different based on context, uh, it, it, the the verbal language, uh, the quality of life when you can produce a sound. It, uh, th- that can be combined with another word to mean something new, or with that that ability to take that finite number of words and make infinite amounts of possibilities has to be done through uh, having voice output. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, uh, we again we don't you don't get it to stage four of of uh, of lamp and then decide you want to go to something else. Uh, it, I think we wisely called it lamp words for life because the words you start on, the very first hit to the last day of your life, you will be communicating if you need a communication device without changing what you learn. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I think is uh, why I think we've been successful with many clients is because we do expose them to a large vocabulary. And I think when you think about learning language, it just makes sense that we would expose people, we'd immerse people in, make them, not make them master one word before we gave them another. I don't have to learn mommy before I get a chance to say daddy. Mm-hmm. And I think this sort of immersion into the vocabulary, we have a large vocabulary, larger than you know, and you hit it and you see something happen and you draw your own intrinsic value. That's a huge advantage to having a vocabulary that's, that, that, that's at the size words for life is, you know, is for, for, for that ability to get language at a very rapid rate, to have that language explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, um, the other thing I wanted to ask you tonight, I wanted to know just from you and, you know, Cindy and other people um, at the Center for AC and Autism, if you found, you know, have you found a certain, I, I guess for lack of a better word, profile uh, of a child with, with uh, you know, is there, is there a u- unique, I guess, sensory profile among, uh, you know, kids on the spectrum that you found particularly um, well-suited for the LAMP approach? Or, I mean, well, yes, yes. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, we're very fortunate, you know, but there is a sort of profile that I see. And, and this is, again, is not being, uh, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Can you imagine if LAMP had the benefit of some of the other approaches where every three to five-year-old uh, got a LAMP app? You know, see what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. then then 50% of them do well and and. And then, we, then for sure, we got the fifty percent. We get the credit for, but with lamps, really had a much more difficult hill. We wait till they they wait till they fail at everything. They've tried sign language. They've tried every low tech board. They've tried PECs. They've usually they're in ABA therapy. 
and they're usually they're punching themselves and biting themselves, and that is our typical client, and they're usually eight to twelve years old or older. Mm-hmm. So they've already passed the critical periods where learning language was effortless, and they've already be- developed behaviors where they're self-injurious or hitting. That is our typical client. Mm-hmm. So uh, our typical client is not able to communicate very well. They they do know they do want to communicate. They do have the desire and the ability, and they'll give effort to communicate, but they're just not been successful using the approaches that have been given to them. Now, they, they usually don't auditory segment well. They don't hear what you're, they don't, they hear well, they would pass a hearing test. But what they don't do is they don't segment incoming speech well. Mm-hmm. And there's new fMRI studies out now showing that kids with autism don't segment incoming speech like their peers. Mm-hmm. So what they don't do is they don't understand what you're saying to them very well. Yeah. And and many of them also have an apraxic component, either with their hands or mouth or both. Mm-hmm. And it may have been they started out being apraxic. So they may have been a child who was apraxic, and, that, and because they didn't get uh, input through their sensory systems like their typical peers where they could feel and attach that to the auditory signal and see something happen, they then relied more on their visual cortex, and then they became visual learners. Mm-hmm. And then and then they, they use that visual cortex becomes almost a problem uh, where they use the visual cortex over everything else. Then the auditory gets more impaired because they use it less, and they don't integrate those sensory systems. And then you have someone who who ends up with autism. Yeah. And of course, then, and we're coming along now at 12 and, and 15 or 16 years old, and we're treating the hand as if it's an articulator, hoping that input through your sensory systems leads to that missing uh, uh, language that they missed the first time. And yeah. we do think that it makes it a lot easier where you don't have to visually scan and understand the meaning of pictures. Uh, you just have to know that that one plus that one equals the word eat or mommy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually, you know, it leads me to think about... So the, that, that's... That, Go ahead. No, I mean, that's pretty much the profile, a kid who's tried everything else, uh, failed at most things, and, and, and is a, does have communication, though. They will, they will pull you to the kitchen. Oh, yeah. They will get mad. They'll get mad when you don't give them uh, what they want or when they don't have enough control. Like all of us, where they're just, they just desire to communicate but can't, and they do the best they can with what they have. And then uh, and when some do, don't make it work for whatever reason, many times it's... I don't like to, when people failed in the past, they would say, well, they didn't follow the method well. And I don't believe that. If the method's that hard that the average family and the average speech therapist and the average teacher can't follow the method, then it's not a very effective method. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't think it's that people don't follow the method when it doesn't work. But sometimes, no matter how hard we try, uh, the child doesn't uh, master what we're trying to teach them or become a good communicator with what we offer. Mm -hmm. So in that case, they they have to, you know, I I tell that parent, don't give up. Try something, you know, keep your options open and and, and keep trying other things until you find some way to help that child have a way to communicate. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I I want to, uh, you know, you've been, been talking here and there about the sensory system, and I, I wanted to just talk about um, your wife Cindy's contribution. And uh, I was glossing over. I had I attended the uh, uh, lamp uh, training. I think what was it a year and a half ago, maybe a year ago. And um, I was rereading. I was going through the manual and you know preparation and talking to you. That last chapter, I think, was you were talking about the readiness to learn and. It's to me. It's such an such an eye opener, and such a. It's also it tells me what a daunting task I think we have, especially in the schools where you have, uh, you know, can be in a classroom of six to eight kids, and you know, getting a child to the point where they're not too aroused and a hyper aroused and not you know low arousal, just that right, 
That's a challenge. Yes. That's a challenge in and of itself. <laughs> it sure is, and, and I think that uh, there are people out there that don't believe in sensory uh, anything. You know, they'll say there's there's no evidence on sensory therapy, mm-hmm. but there is. If you were to Google sensory integration or sensory problems with kids with autism or you know any of those words like that you'll end up with fmri if you do fmri study on uh, sensory integration of children with autism or differences you couldn't you'd run out of uh, ink trying to print all the fmri studies that show you that they don't take in light and sound and what Mm -hmm. they feel and touch like their typical developing peers so we know they don't do that well so there, so therefore, I don't know how you can throw out the the interventions. That no, I'm not saying they're appropriate for everybody, but if you have a problem, you have to try to find a way to address it. And uh, so we know that they don't take information. But Cindy's background, I always say she's the brains behind a <laughs> lamp, and all I get to be the mouthpiece. You know, she does she does all the writing and, and all the research yeah. and all the uh, evidence based stuff that we do try to put together, and uh, answering all the emails, uh, correct, looking at the app uh, every day to make sure the bugs are fixed and ideas are done. So, you know, I get to go out there and do the do, do the presentation and I enjoy doing that. But yeah. really, it takes somebody behind the scenes. And, and that, that her occupational therapy background, uh, that true love of sensory integration and working with the most disabled children, you then, then I happened to work for PRC and be a speech pathologist. And then we had that private practice. Well, you see how that marriage uh, uh, got us where we are with PRC and, and, with our, and, and with the Center for AC and Autism. Oh, sure, sure. Um, I wanted to uh, leave you, or I wanted to kind of uh, close our conversation tonight by having you talk about, when I saw you at ASHA, you had shown me a new app you developed. Uh, it was called, well, I have it now. It's called WordTube. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, I want to see, I just want to see if you can just talk a little bit about what that is. And I want to talk about um, how I've used it so far. Go ahead. Oh, great, great. Well, WordTube was really, to me, is the six, it's, it's a video modeling app. And I had hoped that, and still hope, that PRC and the rest of the world will see it as the sixth component of, of LAMP. I looked back in the last 10 or 15 years, we didn't talk about video modeling and, and peer modeling and self-modeling and point of view modeling and all the benefits of modeling. And I think it was a mistake. And I, and I hope if we do this again in five years, I'm telling you there's something new we've developed again that we knew, we knew now we should have done then. Mm-hmm. But vi- So if you take the principles of LAMP and you add it to WordTube, WordTube uh, has a, uh, can have a consistent nuke motor movement to the single icon, up to 84 buttons. And then it has an immediate visual reaction, which is the video, and it randomizes the videos. One of the main requirements I had on WordTube was, one, it would randomize the videos, and two, the videos had to play almost instantaneous. So one of the requirements I made to the app developers, if it doesn't come up at a certain speed, I'm not going to pay you. Mm -hmm. And when you see how fast those videos come up, you'll see how the the genius he was behind making that work. I've never seen an app work like, like it does. So it touches, and you immediately hear the word, and then you immediately see the video pull up, and it randomizes those videos to teach those many meanings of a word. Mm-hmm. So now you have a child who, who's at the very beginning learning, the emergent learner. Now he has a motor movement with an auditory signal and he gets many visual reactions. 
And so that uh, one of the things that people think is that when children learn language that they, that they need, maybe they'll, you'll hear people say things like they need a concrete visual representation or they need a consistent reinforcer to that. Mm-hmm. But that's, it's not true. In all languages, we, we use something, uh, we use what's called an overextension where our first words mean many things. So mm-hmm. mommy doesn't just mean the mother who gave birth to me now. And it means help me, I love you, uh, what, who is that, or many things. So I'm trying to reinforce that natural thing where, again, where it's motor, auditory, visual, and then give a random visual reaction to that to teach the many meanings of a word early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a, if you use it to teach an AAC device, it's beautiful because the child can hit the, the picture and then they can see themselves touching the icon and getting a cookie or touching the icon and getting a banana mm-hmm. or they can see their peer touching the button and getting it uh, and then they can also maybe see uh, one of their funny characters of the, a TV show they like eating mm-hmm. so they generalize that that word eat has many meanings based on context you know when I when I first well, when you first told me about the app I was kind of scratching my head because the concept of video modeling I you know my uh, the school psychologist who I worked with last year he since uh He's he's moved on, as I think I said in the last uh, episode. But uh, he was he was telling me he had gone to a, a conference in Seattle, and he came back. He said, "Oh my God, the evidence! Uh, there's a research on video modeling." Jeff, he's like, "You have no idea." Yes, he's right about that. The evidence behind the benefits of video modeling. Uh, so I, I I don't know how to, I shouldn't say this. I'm gonna make it funny. I uh, uh, there's more evidence behind video modeling than any approach out there. I mean, it's it's endless, and it's at, considered at the highest level of evidence-based practice. Mm-hmm. And the and the app is nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents. And I built all the everything from speech recognition into it, where when you talk, it activates it to where it where it has you find the word, whether it's in receptive mode or expressive mode. So it'll say find, and it'll either show you the video or show you the video and the word or just the word. Mm-hmm. And, and I built all this into it, and you have all this evidence. And I and it's not that it's not doing well because it really is doing well, mm-hmm. but I expected it to be a wildfire because yeah. I I thought with all that evidence, because all I'd ever heard all my life was uh, where's the evidence. So I thought, <laughs> but but uh, so I thought this would really work but it, it is a steady good people that are using it are loving it and that and that's really what's important um that the people who get it uh find benefit in it a child maybe hits their hit, hits themselves less or mm-hmm. bites themselves less and uh and, and over time i think people will see that will find the clinical value in, in, in what we did there yeah and i to me like you know it, it never occurred to me to extend this idea of video modeling to AAC use, to actually ha- see, having the child see themselves, you know, use the device. Uh, it never, I, you know, so I say hats off to you. <laughs> yeah, you see, I, it was, it's the, it's the I'm going to say what this is. I think it's the, the benefit of a, of a mirror neuron is what it is, that when they see themselves doing it, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they, if they watch enough times and they create a memory of that, and then it, basically now, they, now when they want to say eat, they know what to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, it really is an a, a exciting thing. And I, I, I love it as that sixth element of lamp. Uh, uh, it's the one thing to, be, to not be confused with, though, is WordTube does not have the consistent motor plan, t- and you're but you're not communicating on 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 WordTube. Right. It's not an a, it's not an AAC app. It's it's a way to learn the meaning of words, or it's a way to learn your AAC device, or to learn how to communicate, or to learn the steps to seek to do something uh, like to wash your hands. Mm-hmm. But in no way was it ever meant to, or designed to be a way to communicate. But 
Yeah. Uh, and so that's why it doesn't have to have the motor plan mm-hmm. uh, uh, because uh, a consistent motor plan to the word because it's not you're not talking when you're playing on WordTube. Mm-hmm. You're 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 watching a movie. You're watching yourself perform a task. Mm-hmm. But you would want. I suppose if you wanted to have, um, because you obviously you can ha- you have up to 84 uh, cells or locations, you could, if you wanted to, I suppose, uh, emulate or closely emulate, uh, you know, again, up to those 84, whatever method you're using. Yes, yes, up right. to the 84 one in or any, yeah. or, any, or any cell up to that size if you had a kit on a 60 or a 15, because right. you can make any cell from 2 to... Two to eighty-four, so correct. It, it it could emulate at that one hit level, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but it would not still not be. They would not be communicating when they played it. They would be uh, seeing the main, main meanings of a word, or learning a behavior, or learning not to 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 pinch somebody, mm-hmm. or or learning to communicate. But they wouldn't be communicating. Right now, I I noticed on the uh, on that app, I think you have probably about roughly what uh, three or four video clips per icon. Would that be? Yeah, we 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 actually put two or three on each. Uh, some of them have three, but two or three on each one, and they're we're, they're about three seconds long, is what we recommend. So you hear the word, see about a three second video, and and then and then you have to do it again if you want to want to hear the next word or see the next video. All right. So do you think there's an optimal number of exemplars, or do you think you know do you think three or four is kind of a good number to stick to? Icon, yeah, or? I I think if you just have one, you're not going to get generalization. I think yeah. if you have a hunt, I think if you had a hundred there, which it would allow you to do, I think that if the child was that they were too random, uh, they wouldn't generalize as, as well as you want them to. You want and also they wouldn't find the one they love as fast. Right. So I'll tell you a funny story about I, I just for fun I put one or two videos in there of my 84 year old father, and he was staying with us. So I had him sign the word yes, and I had him sign the word no or something. Okay. And uh, it just did it as a joke to put it in there. And so the <laughs> the, the, the young man's in there DT, but I put my 84 year old father on two two or three words. Yeah. And I got a call. I got a call from a woman in. Uh, Iowa and she said I don't know where you got that guy to do the videos in there but she said my kid saying his first word he's he pushes the button uh for no over and over again and then when he sees your the old guy pop up he starts with his voice starts saying papa papa and uh, uh see he wanted to see the old guy papa and all i had to tell her was well, well go go record your dad you know go record an, uh, if he has a grandfather go, go record him sure Doing all these different words, and yeah. she did, and, and and the husband was over overseas in Iraq, and she said it just the, she she was the one goal she had was to get her kid to be able to say the father's name when he came home, and she was recording the dad through Skype or something, making the video so that he would say daddy when the kid came home. And I said, you know, <laughs> I said, well, if it doesn't work, if, if it never works, it did for that kid. So yeah, yeah. So it was an, it was sort of a, a great thing that I threw my dad in there as a joke. <laughs> I think I think I know the video actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in there. He's actually in a one or two, yeah. one or two. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna let you go at that at this point. Um, you've been a great sport, and uh, I want to say thank you for uh, coming on the show today. Thank you, Jeff. I, I appreciate it. I, I hope it comes across right uh, and people understand. We 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 believe in what we do, but we really do uh, have respect for all the other people out there and approaches that are trying hard to help the same kids we are. Oh, sure, sure. And I'm hoping to have you on at some point in the future, assuming uh, my podcast is around in a year. <laughs> all right, you bet, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, John. Bye. All right, bye now. Well, that about wraps it up for today. I want to thank John Halloran from the Center for AAC and Autism so much for being on the show. 
I think he just did a wonderful job explaining both the uh, LAMP method as well as the actual app and the difference between the two and what it has to offer. And if you want to learn more about LAMP, you can visit www.aacandautism.com. And so with that, I'm going to sign off for now. Again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please go to my website at www.conversationsinspeech.com. And we'll see you soon.